Hello, my name is Hall Levin, and you are listening to Little Dragon's Journey. 你好，我叫李静晨，你正在听小龙的旅程。Dear reader, see change, how to be drawn, a collection of Audre Lorde's poetry. Later, I'm still here. Zen mind, beginner's mind, morning zazen and evening zazen, dokushan with Roshi. Later, I'm still here. Sang lao shi, xin yu, spring. Later, I'm still here. Tea eggs. Cha ye zan, stir fries, chow fun, steam buns, balls, and mooncakes. Ye bing later, I'm still here. Mid autumn festival, Zhong Zhou Jie, and Double Ten Day, Shuang Shi Jie later. You guessed it. <laughs> I'm still here. Where am I? Here. September bleeding into October was quite an eventful month. I began Chinese classes with Zeng Lao Shi from the Wenzhou Ursuline University of Languages, Wenzhou Waiyu Da Shi. I cooked nine different Chinese recipes, mainly from the Omnivores Cookbook. I read many poems from various books, the Poetry Foundation, and the Academy of American Poets, and I wrote a few of my own. As well as learn the lyrics to four Chinese songs, I continued practicing zazen with the Sonoma Mountain Zen Center, and had the opportunity to meet Jokusho Kuang Roshi one on one. Lastly, but certainly not least, I began my internship with the State Department's International Disability Rights Committee, and began conducting research on disability rights legislation in Morocco. So. Let's dive a little deeper, because there's much to be said. Starting with Chinese class, Chinese class, the Kaohsiung, Taiwan, Nisli cohort is comprised of nine individuals from across the United States, including one Hawaiian, one Puerto Rican, one Californian, one Minnesotan, one Illinoisan, one Georgian, one North Carolinian. That's me. And two Virginians were divided into three different classes: Chinese one one one, one two one, and one three one, based on our current Chinese language ability. I am in Chinese one three one with two others and Zeng Lao Shi. Figuring out our class schedule was quite a challenge for the Iron Nisli team. Iron USA is the facilitating organization for our Nisli program. Um, the reason why it was a challenge is because there's six different time zones they had to deal with every week, unless there's a holiday, whether in in Taiwan or in America. All individuals in our cohort attend Chinese class from six p.m. to seven thirty p.m. EST,、uh, Tuesday through Thursday, and from six p.m. to seven fifty p.m. EST on Friday. We also meet with our language partner, or Yupan, on Monday from six p.m. to seven thirty p.m. 
uh, and meet as a cohort from 7.40 p.m. to 8.10 p.m. on Thursday. I usually spend a good hour or two in the morning reviewing Chinese and completing the homework or language task um, slash presentation assigned. Although this arrangement is working out quite well, I'm crossing my fingers that we'll still be able to travel to Taiwan in January. Also, Zenglash deserves some serious recognition for being able to teach us Chinese at 6 a.m. Taiwan time in a rather lively manner. I'm a morning person, but I don't even think I could do what she does. Now for a little bit more on Chinese cuisine. Since I'm still here in North Carolina, uh, but want to continue engaging with Chinese culture uh, on multiple levels, I've decided to make one authentic Chinese dish a week. Uh, to start off, I created a Pinterest board called Ya Zhou Cai, or Asian food, with three main sections, Yu Yong De, which means useful, Xi Wang Zuo, which means hope to make, and Yi Qing Zuo Le, which means already made. Yu uh, Yong De, is where I save useful information about Chinese cooking or links with collections of recipes. Uh, as you can probably guess, Xi Wang Zuo is where I save recipes I haven't made yet but would like to try, and Yi Jing Zuo La is where I save recipes I've already made. As another preparatory measure, I travel to two different Asian markets, H Mart in Kerry and the Grand Asian Market in Raleigh, to gather ingredients and equipment that are otherwise unavailable uh, at a standard grocery store in, in my area. The Grand Asian Market was definitely better suited to fulfill my needs, since H-Mart uh, supplies mainly Korean goods. Uh, there are goods from other Asian countries, but it's primarily Korean. In regard to essential ingredients for Chinese cooking, the Omnivore's Cookbook has an incredibly useful article on this very topic, and The Walks of Life has another interesting article on useful Chinese cooking equipment. Those are two of my favorite uh, Chinese cooking blog sites. Since the beginning of September, I've made tea eggs, the classic fried rice with copious amounts of vegetables, pickled red shallots, tomato and egg stir-fry, Napa cabbage stir-fry with vinegar sauce, steamed vegetable buns, and traditional mooncakes with black sesame paste and salted duck eggs. For my younger brother's birthday and the mid-autumn festival on October 1st, I went a little overboard. The steam buns and mooncakes took a good half a day to make, uh, so I've only made those once. <laughs> I've continued to make tea eggs every week, however, for, for lunch, and I also made pickled red shallots twice. Uh, pickled foods, fermented foods, those are my absolute favorite. Uh, after I complete the cooking slash baking process, I always take a picture and write a few notes on how I can improve next time. Uh, if you have any recommendations, I am certainly all ears. Now for a little bit more on, on poetry. Uh, one thing I love about poetry is how it reinvigorates the language we use every day. 
uh, takes the word, the words uh, you're habituated to, and gives them new life. After morning zazen, I take an hour or two to uh, explore poetry. I read the daily poem from the Poetry Foundation and Poetry.org every morning, as well as various poems from whatever poetry books I can find at the Chapel Hill Public Library and, and on my shelf. I also have been slowly reading why poetry. Uh, after reading poetry and about poetry, I typically free write or attempt to translate Chinese poetry. Um, I've mainly been reading uh, poetry from Yu Shouhua. Although a bit apprehensive to share, uh, here's my free write from September 14th. Idea. I don't, there's no title. I usually just write what idea or thought triggered um, my free write, my poem. So the idea that triggered or resulted in this, uh, this short poem are umbrellas opened and closed. Today, I am your older sister. I brought the umbrella for you. It's too small for the two of us, but no matter, because I am oceanic. I need the water to survive. Mists, monsoons, dew, droplets. There's too much oxygen on dry land. The wrong type, at least. To be honest, whenever I free, free write, it's a very enjoyable process, but the result, sometimes the result is something that even I can't truly, uh, you know, describe easily at least, because um, I just let myself play with language and write whatever I'm feeling or whatever comes to mind uh, from the things I see outside, the things I see in the news, the things I feel now and have felt before. So this free write, it's, it's certainly um, very raw uh, and it needs to be, you know, thought over a little bit more, but um, it's, it's very authentic, authentically me, authentically uh, what I'm feeling. In addition to poetry, I have been learning lyrics to Chinese songs. I can't sing very well, um, but I am trying little by little to, to learn to learn how to. Um, music and poetry really go hand in hand. Uh, lyrics to songs are poems. They have rhythm and rhyme and usually a playful hand uh, you know, have a playful hand in regards to, to language. All right, and a little bit more now on Zen Buddhism. I continued to sit zazen this month with the Sonoma Mountain Zen Center, and even had the opportunity to talk one-on-one -on -one with Jakusho Kwong Roshi. 
most individuals in the SMZC Sangha uh, just call him Roshi, uh, which means teacher in Japanese. Well, I think I, I should probably mention as well, Lao Shi means teacher in, in Chinese. That's why I call my teacher Sang Lao Shi. Sang is her, her last name. All right, a little off topic there. <laughs> um, to be completely honest, even though Roshi is quite friendly, I was a little nervous to meet him since I've only been practicing Zen for, for two-ish months. During our half-hour talk, I learned quite a bit. For starters, I mistakenly thought Roshi is Japanese since the SMZC uh, Sangha um, practices Soto Zen Buddhism. Uh, Soto Zen Buddhism is one of the largest Japanese sects of Zen Buddhism. Uh, actually, Roshi, he grew up in California and is of Chinese descent. I believe his his parents came from, from China. Apparently, uh, Roshi dropped out of college, married young, and was looking for an alternative lifestyle when he happened upon Soto Zen Buddhism. He became one of Shunryu Suzuki's uh, students. Uh, Shunryu Suzuki is one of the individuals... Uh, who helped bring Zen Buddhism to America. Um, he's, he's incredibly important uh, in, in, in helping bring Zen Buddhism to America. And, and Roshi was later ordained as a Zen teacher uh, in Shunryu Suzuki's Dharma lineage. He was, he wasn't um, ordained by Shunryu Suzuki himself because he had uh, passed away by that point, um, but instead by Shunyu Suzuki's son. Uh, and so later on, uh, Roshi uh, started, Kwang Roshi started the SMZC, um, the Sonoma Mountains and Center in Santa Rosa, California. Uh, in addition to telling me about his, his life, he helped me better understand Gasho. Uh, you may remember in my first blog post, I instead of saying sincerely or best wishes or uh, you know a different a different phrase at the end of my uh, letter blog post, I said gasho. Um, and so gasho is the act of placing your palms together a few inches away from your face with your arms more or less parallel to the ground and then you bow from the hips uh, to about a 90 degree angle and come up and when you gasho you go down i believe on the exhale and when you're at the bottom uh, you shouldn't there should be this moment of not Thinking, this moment where you're really just there and then you come up and release from, from that posture. There was one statement that he made in regards to the gas show that really resonated with me, but unfortunately I completely forgot about it. Um, I'm meeting again with him in November, so I'll definitely ask him then. Uh, 
with with Dokushan, um, which is when you meet with with a Zen teacher. Uh, for Kuang Roshi, it occurs about every you can do a Dokushan every about one and a half months or so. Um, Kuang Roshi, he's he's <laughs> he's kind of famous, I would say. I searched his name online, and he actually has a Wikipedia page, which I think, you know, if you have a Wikipedia page, um, in, in my books, that kind of makes you famous. <laughs> All right, and last but not least, a little bit more on uh, disability rights legislation. Last but not least, uh, progress on researching disability rights legislation has been has been good, has been going well. I've done research on Morocco's and Lebanon's disability rights legislation, and it's honestly quite interesting learning more about how the disability community is being supported in the international community. Um, in America, the ADA and the amendments to the ADA, um, the ADA is the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, you know, the ADA and the amendments to the ADA have certainly been positive for the disability community, but there are still many areas where we can improve as a nation and address some of the major inequities individuals with disabilities face. Uh, learning from the international community is incredibly important, um, as well as determining how we can best support other countries in their efforts to support the disability community and other marginalized groups of individuals. Um, you know, we shouldn't go into another country as a nation and be like, um, you know, we're going to help you in this way. It's best to really, you know, communicate with, um, you know, that country's government, communicate with the people we're trying to support and determine, you know, what their needs are and what kind of support do they want from us or do they even want our support? Um, there's a lot of organizations here in the United States and a lot of resources here in the United States that we can help provide to, um, you know, other countries, you know, and the first step, of course, is, you know, communication and really understanding what needs need to be addressed and, you know, whether or not um, our support is welcome. America is not perfect. Um, no country is perfect. And I think we all need to, you know, try to work together as much as possible and, you know, work on making this this world as accessible for for all people, um, you know, as much as possible. P.S. The picture for this episode is of a Carolina mantis. I've always thought praying mantises or prey mantises are interesting creatures, but until this fall, I'd never actually seen one in person. Uh, last month, my family went to William B. Umstead State Park in Raleigh, North Carolina, to meet up with my sister and a few relatives. And on our way there, I discovered this little guy uh, on the inside roof of our car. Uh, my mom did not think a bug hanging over our heads was cool, but I was truly entranced by how this little creature could hold onto the roof for dear life in our moving vehicle. Uh, once we arrived at our destination, I immediately helped the man out of the car, and to commemorate the encounter, I decided to take a number of photos. The photos I'm sharing, is, or the photo I'm sharing, this one photo, 
uh, is one of the few where he looked straight at me, um, fearfully, inquisitively, I'll leave you to ponder. Um, I am not a prey mantis whisperer or animal whisperer of any kind for that sort. Um, I'd also love to share this short, interesting article on Carolina mantises from our state, which you can access on uh, on my website. Truly tired and yet very happy. Holden, thanks for listening. <laughs> Please visit holdenlevin.wixsite.com slash littledragonjourney to access the transcript of this episode. And know you are always welcome to contact me through my website, email, or social media. Thank you for joining Little Dragon's Journey. Bye-bye. <laughs>